Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 153. This week, we talk with Vikas Bhatia and Sean Henry about smarter device connectivity using Project Rome. And this is definitely the most pun we've had in a long time. This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Aspose, the market leader of .NET and Java APIs for file business formats. Natively work with DocX, XSLX, PPT, PDF, MSG, MPP, image formats, and many more. Now we have Vikas Bhatia and uh, Sean Henry. Sean Henry's program manager for Project Rome from the Windows Developer Platform team. Welcome, guys. Okay. Hey, how's it going? And uh, apparently Taylor Swift fans as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of an inside joke for the team there. Uh, so let's uh, let's jump into the question. So we did uh, record with you before, Sean. So um, anybody who wants, you know, kind of an in-depth background, they could go listen to 128. Otherwise, we'll kind of do a recap here. Um, but why don't you just give us like a, a short version of like what is Project Rome? Okay. So uh, first, thank you guys for having us here. We are big fans of your show. So thank you for having us here. Uh, on Project Rome, so Project Rome is at its very basic level a toolkit for developers to drive user engagement across apps, across devices, and across platforms. That's the very, very short elevator pitch for it. Now, talking about the problem or opportunity, the way you look at it, what Project Rome aims to solve is this issue that we've run into as a society with all of these devices around us. Yep. Like right now in front of me, I see about, I don't know, 16 <laughs> devices. I don't know. <laughs> but even for a regular person, right? Like a person has a laptop and a phone and an Xbox and, you know, TVs. And like we're we are constantly surrounded by devices. And we have a lot of stats around how many people have multiple devices. I won't bore you with the stats, but the short summary is everyone has a lot of devices <laughs> right now. And the other important part is we are constantly switching between these devices. You know, you wake up in the morning, you check something on your phone, you have TV going on, you pair it with your phone, right? You're yeah. still looking up something. During the day, you're like eight hours in front of a screen. But even during your day, you're still checking your phone. Uh, earlier this morning, I was in an elevator with someone coming up to the you know conference and this person was with me in the elevator for 10 seconds. In that 10 seconds, the person whips out his phone and checks something. Yep. Like you cannot stay away from your screen. It's, it's like that Twitch. Yeah. It's a like Twitch, right? Yeah. God, you know, yeah. you know, God forbid I like interact with other humans. I know, right? <laughs> so like even in between these devices, we're constantly doing the same thing across multiple devices. We call it like the activity. You're doing this activity across multiple devices. And we as you know, we have a PC and, you know, it's still a very strong and useful productive device. And you're pairing that with normally with an Android and iOS phones. And the people who do that are pretty large, right? Like in the, in the session yesterday, we said 82% of people are doing this. Like there's a lot of people who are doing this. The problem comes to, to users and developers. As a user, I'm constantly switching between these devices. And each of these devices and apps, they're their own silos, Yeah. Mm -hmm. right? How do we, the user still has to think their lives are complex as they move between these silos. And user problem aside, developers, they already have to build these their apps on all of these devices. 
but they lose this user they lose the user engagement as the user moves between all of these devices so you know a lot of people install these apps but they don't go back to them so user retention is a big issue like let's say i'm listening to music on my phone in the car in right and i'm coming to my office i could listen to the same music but i forgot yeah right how do i get back into it or an information worker she's working on a document at her office and she's supposed to work on it you know when she gets home but then she forgets like she doesn't remember to get back into it developers what they get because of project drone is we help you drive user engagement across apps across devices across platforms okay that's a great problem to solve because i always try to i always try to avoid the issue by like having less devices it's like you know i which i i fail horribly at but yeah. it's like okay one laptop yeah. one phone and then i just you know less I mean, management that's the thing is like you know you add more devices to your life your life gets more complicated and really what we want to do if we can make your life get less complicated as you add more devices and as as you use these apps that really have you know make the experience of the app cross all of your devices yeah um so you're thinking about the app not the device yeah because you you had mentioned like listening to music one of the things that I do on Groove is I let the AI of Groove I'll like say I want this kind of music and it picks out a playlist and when I'm get from you know wherever I am using my phone to my desk you know i can't actually get that it was an ai pick thing it was right. like a one time thing right. i can't jump into the rest of that playlist right. on the same app on my desktop right. but having something like project rome it would be able to do that handoff Absolutely. and then i would have that continuation not just the playlist but the part in the right where i was and i paused in the song right. it would pick up right there and continue and that that would just make that experience just really stick and appreciate the application so much more you should go check out our booth we have a demo of groove that does exactly that in our booth that is awesome yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and even for the people at home come in join yeah, us yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean you know now that we got a bit of a basis you know i was looking at all of the keynote uh announcements that there were and underneath most of them at least from my point of view it seemed like project rome was integrated with them so can you get can you tell us like how many of these keynote features absolutely. project rome is is a part of absolutely so on day 1 uh, satya showed the cortana meetings mm-hmm. uh, scenario where you remember that woman was driving a car yeah. and she was yeah. moving between meetings So when she started her day listening to something on the Cortana speaker the Invoke speaker by Harman Kardon which is a beautiful device by the way yeah and I want one <laughs> and she moved to her <laughs> I do but I can't <laughs> and she moved to her car that seamless transformation like the project room runtime device runtime is actually running on the the Invoke speaker and okay. that is something that as she moves between devices that seamless transition happened through project rome as the platform piece the second example was when she came to the meeting and she was using her iphone she was on the call the iphone detected using the project rome proximity apis that she's now in proximity of that meeting and her and her phone turned into companion mode right her app turned into companion mode that is also using the project rome apis that was on day one on day 2 was really the big showing for project room in day 2 uh joe belfiore like the best presenter <laughs> ever <laughs> talked about how windows loves all your devices and he started off by showing how the windows timeline uh using the activity graph 
really keeps the user connected as the user shifts between all the devices. So he showed a scenario where the user, Sherry in that case, was using PowerPoint on a Surface Studio. She moved to the Surface Book. She's easily able to get back in because Cortana helped her pick up where she left off. Yeah. And when she moved to her Android phone, she, uh, Cortana helped her uh, by giving her a toast notification on her phone or she goes into Cortana and now, now she can exactly pick up where she left off in the PowerPoint document. The one part that I'm sure developers saw in there was we drove app acquisition on Android and iOS, mm -hmm. right? To keep the user engaged. The other scenario that Joe talked about was the cloud clipboard. You know, something that we've all done, we've all done. We've sent ourselves yep. emails of this map link or we've forgotten what was I looking at on my PC yeah. and my phone. We've all done that. And Project Roam is that underlying platform that is the connective tissue breaking down barriers between these devices. And these are APIs available to developers. Later on in the talk, Abul Ade talked about, you know, using this uh, WPF application and how it moves on to using the Fluent Design System. And when he created that activity by Terry Ryerson, <laughs> and he moved from that Android phone to the PC, and that activity showed up in the timeline, that is also using Project Roam. So Project Roam really had a pretty strong showing in the uh, keynote. is because, again, as Joe Belfiore said, Windows loves all your devices. Yeah. And where we are going to with Project Roam is we are building this personal operating system. Today's operating systems are focused on the device. They do a great job. An operating system's job really is to make the apps shine, to be this app model. And Andrew Klinik, our boss, talked about uh, it in his session, the app model evolution, how the app model is now moving from an app model on the device to a cloud app model. And that's where Rome is evolving to, and, right? To, go ahead, and, and then the, and the app model then follows you as a user, right? You're really up-leveling the OS to not be about something running on the device. It's about something that you use as a user to, to, to power these experiences and these apps across all the devices that you're using. Yeah, some, some other companies will, you know, Magic happens when you you know only buy their type of device, yeah. um, and I love this. I think I know what company you're talking. Yeah, about. I, you know, <laughs> some people might be able to you know figure it out from that. Um, but I, I love this approach. Like you know, I already have all this stuff, and guess what? It's all mismatched. Um, that's that's just what happened. I love that that all happens. Um, I did want to so so I love that part of it. So that's sort of the upper layer, and then there's this lower layer of the technology, which I'm kind of dying to ask some questions about. Um, one thing I want to know when you were talking about those scenarios. So, like, how, how is that happening? Because, it, you know, um, one sort of cheater way is to just always go to the cloud and do it, but then sometimes the cloud isn't available. Absolutely. But you also, it's nice whenever you have a copy of it. So this whole thing is complicated. So Absolutely. how did you guys solve that? So the way to think about it is, uh, Sean likes to actually put it this way, which is we think about things as, think about Rome helping developers do push continuity mm -hmm. and pull continuity. So... Going back to the scenario is I've got, you know, say, uh, Groove playing on my Xbox yep. in my house, right? And I'm, it's, it's a great song and anybody except Taylor Swift comes on <laughs> and I don't like that song. What I have to do today is I wait, have... Wait, wait, wait. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, you don't badmouth Taylor. <laughs> no, no. We don't badmouth Taylor. So anyone except Taylor Swift comes on. So... Normally, what I have to do is if I don't like a song that's playing on my Xbox, I have to go find the Xbox controller and, you know, 
go and switch to the next song. But what Project Chrome lets you do is you can pull up your phone or tell the Cortana speaker to skip to the next song. So that is a push continuity. You're, you're telling something from device A onto de to make some action happen on device B. And behind the scenes, what's happening is developers, in order to enable this, have to do the three things, which is device discovery, discover the devices around me. And as you said, in this case, we give you the ability to discover devices in proximity and through the cloud. So by proximity, discovery through Bluetooth or through the local area network, Wi-Fi, connected network, whatever, and through the cloud using our cloud-connected services. So once you've discovered the device in the user's device graph, you can make something happen on the device. If your app is not already running, remember the launch URI async APIs that we all know and love, <laughs> right? We've extended that to now include the remote system object, which gives you that remote system device that you've just discovered. So now you're doing launch URI async, which could be a custom scheme or an HTTP link onto the other device to bring your app to the foreground. Now that the app is there in the foreground or app is not running, you can use, remember, app services. So we've extended app services to now become remote device aware. So you're still doing a device discovery, doing an app service connection from device A to device B and using value sets to pass the messages between these two devices. So that's push continuity available through proximal APIs and through the cloud APIs. Yeah, that's right. So and then and then you can move on to like pull continuity, which is really what you saw in a lot of those experiences that like Joe shot with Joe Joe showed yeah. with with Timeline and Cortana and Cloud Clipboard, where uh, you know as as your app is running, it's offering up activities to Windows, uh, and then we can you know take those activities and offer them back up to the user on the right device, in the right context, and at the right time. Because that's why you saw things like Timeline is now offering you this kind of time view of things yeah. you did, and you can you know tap on those. Uh, cards in timeline and you're taken back to exactly where you left off in that document. Or again, like, like we talked about, Cortana can offer those back to you. And so really what the app is doing in that case um, is with a new API we're introducing in uh, the, the fall creators update is that the app can offer us up these user activities which are really just deep links. You know, the URIs, uh, you know, that, that you've created as the application developer that you pass to us and then we pass back to you when we launch your application again through, you know, launch URI. We're really kind of coalescing on the URI being this, 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 the deep link being this currency that we can pass around to get you back into these experiences because it works on Windows and it works great on iOS, it works great on Android, it's, and it works great on the web as well. Um, so, you know, that's really how that pull continuity works. Okay. So, you mentioned like uh, earlier, like the, the app in the cloud and understanding that, you mean like moving that uh, app model up is, are, are you really talking about like the Microsoft graph there? Absolutely. So, you know, is that something that's like somewhat implicitly built in in Rome, or yeah. do I have to work with both of them? So let me explain that a bit. Uh, developers know of Microsoft Graph, right? If, if they don't already know, I think it's fair to explain that a bit. Microsoft Graph has been around for some time. It is. Uh, it has exposed entities like the user's object, the emails, the calendar, the documents that the user has, right? These are office objects that have been exposed through the Microsoft Graph. And if they don't already know, Microsoft Graph is this one unified endpoint, graph.microsoft.com, 
And once you have that unified endpoint, and, and it has one unified auth scheme, one unified data format scheme, right? So that's what Microsoft Graph gets you, access to that data. Now the new announcement this year is Windows is connecting to the Microsoft Graph by introducing two new entities, devices and activities. So we talked about devices. What that means is your PCs, your Xbox, your, you know, your, all the Windows obviously devices are going to be accessible to the Microsoft Graph. So if you go uh, graph.microsoft.com slash me slash devices and you provide your MSA or AAD, you get back your devices. So oh, then I can cool. see when I'm logged in that I have a Surface Book, Absolutely. that I have a Surface Pro 3 and I have a work computer and all, all, Xbox and all of that. They just kind of are lit up in there. So. But, but not just Windows devices too. Yeah. I mean, any device that you've logged in with your Azure Active Directory account or your Microsoft account, your MSA. So, so like I'm, if you use Office on your iPhone, now it shows up as a device in your graph. Correct. Same thing with Android. That's pretty powerful. Yeah, it's yeah. very powerful. It's very powerful. Even the Invoke speaker is in the cloud, right? Yeah. So, so one of the things I, I'm kind of thinking here, like if I were a developer and I didn't know about this stuff and I wanted to build like the ability to sync this data, you know, I, you know, I would be probably hosting this in Azure and it would cost me a pretty penny and it looks like I get all of this for free. Well, I, I think you know you still want to have a, a hosting backend yes. for your cloud service, and I think things like Azure App Services are really a great solution for that, or mm -hmm. AWS, or you know, pick pick your service that you want for your backend. What we're really doing with these activities is we're kind of roaming the playhead for you, that deep link, so that uh, so that we can then get you get the user back into your app, and then mm -hmm. you can restore your state. You know, either from your cloud service or potentially, you know, you can go reach out into the device graph and grab your state, you know, from another device and pull that over. So it, it really works best when I have the combination of relying on the APIs that you guys have created, as well as integrating my own systems with. So it let's as well. give an example, right? So let's say you are working on a document or you're mm -hmm. listening to a song, yep. right? The MP3 or the DocX is still sitting in the developer's backend in their storage. What they're telling us is the verb that the user was listening to this song. Mm -hmm. The user was working on this document. So they would provide an activity, which is a URI, as Sean said, which is a deep link into your app. So you can imagine back to the PowerPoint example, that the user was working on you know, onedrive.com slash foos slash xyz.pptx and provide a deep link into the slide even, which is slide five. So then if I don't have that on my device, yeah. then I know that I have that URI to that location. Absolutely. I can download that behind the scenes Absolutely. and then load it up to slide 23 if that's Absolutely. what I was last working Absolutely, at. because what this happens is the user can get exactly back to where they were. Mm -hmm. And what we are doing with Project Roam is also one thing that developers might have realized already is we are driving app acquisition on devices where the app may not exist whether that's on Windows, Android, and iOS. So the timeline app, is that using the persistent data then? I mean, what is, where is it getting all of its data? So the timeline app is getting that user activity payload that the developers provide to us. Okay. So the user will provide a URI of okay. what the user was, and, and then we're going to talk about the adaptive card to make it look really beautiful. And when the user sees that, you know, that adaptive card that hooks me in visually, that yeah. this, this is what I was working on. There's a picture of Taylor Swift. Here's a picture of that slide that I was working on, right? Yeah. I can visually get back to where I was. And when they click that hyperlink, either that's a custom scheme or an HTTP URI, 
we launch the app, then the app gets that activation uh, uh, playhead that they that they uh, react to in their app, and they can bring that app directly to where the user was. So you, you mentioned the adaptive card. Um, you know that's something that is pretty new. Can you tell us? You give us a quick overview of what that is, and and kind of you know, how it's best used in Project Realm. Yeah, so adaptive cards are our new thing that we introduced, you know, this year at, at Build. And uh, they're used both in Project Realm and the activity graph, um, but also in the bot framework, um, kind of in, in their scenarios mm -hmm. as well. And because we, we, we had uh, very similar problems uh, in that we wanted to have ha have developers specify kind of visual layouts for the U for UI mm -hmm. for stuff that they want to show the user, but to have it feel natural in the native environment. So like if you're interacting with you know activities in timeline, they look kind of the same on timeline. They look native to iOS on iOS. Uh, they look native to Android on I on, on Android. And you'll have a material design or whatever. Same thing with bots. You know if I'm in Skype, I want it to look like the Skype UI. If I'm interacting with a bot, mm -hmm. if I'm in you know another application uh, like Kick or whatever that has bots, then I want it to look natural. So we were kind of saw this problem that like we wanted to uh, have a way for developers to specify this this kind of basic UI layout and then have the application that's you know hosting that layout like timeline or the or the or the chat application be able to make it look native. So that's when we introduced uh, this adaptive card framework. Uh, for those scenarios, and, and we've made this open source, and we've made it available um, so that people can use it in their own applications as well. I think they have a domain, right? AdaptiveCards.io. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, developers should definitely check out AdaptiveCards.io. It is such a simple concept with so much power, where you now can, can you know have a native experience for your UX to show visually where it's intended. If you were like a, a, a UWP developer and you were generating like tiles and toasts today, and there's there was an XML format that you would specify for that, it's very similar. Really, you know, we've moved it to JSON because mm -hmm. JSON's cool now, XML, you know, a little bit passe. <laughs> um, and, you know, we, we've made some improvements to that as well. Um, so really, you know, this is kind of like the successor to that. And, and it, you know, it solves a lot of the same problems. Aspose offers a powerful set of file management APIs with which developers can create applications, which can create, open, edit, and save the majority of popular business file formats. Their product range supports a multitude of file formats, including Word documents, Excel spreadsheets, PowerPoint presentations, PDF documents, OneNote, Outlook, Project, Visio files, popular image formats, and many others. Aspose produces APIs for .NET, Java, and the cloud, which can be utilized in almost any modern language available today. Visit www.aspose.com for a free 30-day no-limitations trial. And if you get stuck, message the friendly support team for help. All technical support is offered free of charge. Remember, if you're a lucky winner, you will receive a free developer small business license for Aspose.Words for .NET, a powerful toolkit to work with Word documents in your applications. Okay, I have a really oddly specific question. So if I have <clears throat> two devices that are next to each other and they're communicating, I guess, possibly over Bluetooth, and they're both offline, am I able to transfer data between them? <laughs> well, it depends, it depends what you mean by offline, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, that's if, what I was thinking. if they're not if they're not cloud connected, right? Not cloud um, connected. You know, they they have to be cloud connected once because we have to right. register 
uh, the device identity yeah. you know, with the graph, but then you know, we cache that identity, and if they don't have a cloud connection, you know, we can use the remote system APIs uh, you know, to make a connection over Bluetooth, um, over Wi-Fi, uh, okay. over the LAN as well. I'm just thinking like offline peer-to-peer -peer scenarios. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And one of the other things we introduced uh, you know, in that same space, you know, last time I was here I talked a lot about the remote system APIs, which do kind of what we were talking about there, which allow you to make this direct right. push connection from one device to another is we've introduced a new API called Remote Sessions, which is kind of like uh, taking those, some of those remote system concepts and making them available across users. So like the four of us here mm -hmm. can show up, we can open up our laptops, and we can launch an app and create a shared session. And the instances of that app on all those devices can start talking to each other, um, and we can collaborate together. And that was kind of like that team scenario that Vikas was mentioning earlier. Yeah. And we've opened that up as an API to all developers. Um, and really simple, like it's literally just a few lines of code to create these sessions and have them have this kind of shared connection between them and you can pass data around. And them. if you saw the keynote, uh, the Cirque du Soleil, yep. that's right. where you had, uh, you know, those three people building stuff that I will never be able to build. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they were using the three HoloLenses in proximity to each other. Uh -huh. And that communication, that device discovery, that handshake, that session was actually built on Project Rome. Oh, cool. So, like, we, these APIs are going to work, you know, this is going back to, like, we're trying to break down barriers between devices. Yeah. Right? So, now we've introduced this concept for multi-user collaboration yeah. and proximity, which is really powerful depending on the scenario you can think about. You can think about uh, information worker scenarios where multiple people are working on the same thing together, editing a photograph together, editing videos together. Games. Editing games are yeah. a big important thing, right? So there's so many scenarios from consumer to enterprise that developers can think about, which these to build these on their own, it's hard, <laughs> right? Yeah. So we are plumbers. I don't, don't do want to stuff. Yeah. yeah. So like one one thing that just popped in my my head. I want to see if this is you know a legit scenario. So if if I want to have like some sort of uh, discovery of another device, I could just use Project Rome instead of having to write that networking code. So so if I wanted to do some Bluetooth connection to connect, you know, an Android tablet to an iPhone or something, instead of having to figure out all that network and those disparate platforms, I could use the Project Rome to make that connection and then I can just use standard uh, you know, easier uh, APIs to yeah. do the actual communication. Not only that, I think you you don't even have to go down to the Bluetooth layer. Yeah. You would just say discovery.proximal, discovery.cloud. Yeah. And, we'll, and we'll find yeah. it. If, you can, find if we can see it over Bluetooth, if we can see it over the LAN, Perfect. if we can see it over the cloud, it just shows up, it's there. You know, we really want to abstract that from the developer so they can, just, they can just focus on making their experience work really well. That, that saves a ton of work. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's really the goal. Like That's what makes us happy yeah. when, we save, when we save, you know, developers' work. Yeah, I hope Kevin yeah. Gallo is listening. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to ask you the really hard question. How do you do this on iOS? Uh, so on iOS, to begin with, I think we should clarify. Sure. On iOS and Android, so actually stepping right back. Yeah. There is a client role and there's a host role. Okay. A client role is somewhere where a device initiates a connection onto a host device. So me launching something from my Android or iOS phone to a Windows device, whether that's PC, Xbox, yeah. whatever, the host role is running on the Windows device and the client role is running on the iOS or Android device. Exactly. That's something that's released today in preview on GitHub. The other way around where you want to launch something from a Windows device to an Android and iOS device is not something that's released today. That's something that we are working on pretty actively. 
Okay. So now, uh, going into the details of how that is going to work on Android and iOS, is a it's going to be a little different because each of these platforms do things a little differently. Yeah. Right. On on Android, that's you can an have Android. a statement. Right. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> yeah. one of the things we looked at, we really prioritized it, you know, based on the scenarios. And if you think of, you know, often what you want to do is you have an experience on your phone, you've started on your phone, because yeah. what's convenient, it's in your pocket or it's in your hand, but then, you know, you want to move it onto your PC or onto your Xbox, onto a bigger experience. So, you know, that's where we really see a lot of these scenarios going is, you yeah. know, they start on your on your phone and then they, they end up on your PC and we can certainly support that. that that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, I, Plus, I, you want to be on Windows anyways. Yeah, of day, course, right? of course. Um, but I could see the other scenario too, where I'm walking out the door and I wanted to. Exactly. Phone. So well, I'm and, guessing, and, and we do support those kind of things with the activity graph. Uh, yeah. And what we do is we use uh, Cortana as kind of like 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 a like a host on iOS and Android yeah, to get those kind of things. So yeah, you saw in the demo, you know, Cortana will offer up on iOS on Android to pick up where you left off and get you know users back into your application. Yeah. Plus, I assume you could do like push notifications. Exactly. Right? Well, th you know, that's what is what is happening under the covers yeah. with Cortana as we kind of do that for you. Um, but yeah, certainly if, uh, you know, if your application has a push notification channel, yeah. they can do that to get woken up as well okay. and then start the connection, you know, back the other way. Because, you know, theoretically, like I could, could I just use Project Roam? I mean, obviously I'm using the, the cloud portion of it for the discovery, but I could, if I'm like anti-Microsoft for whatever reason, I'm just iOS and Android or whatever, like I could still use it, right? I, yeah. Hypothetically? <laughs> hypothetically, you could. Yeah. Uh, you, 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 we would still need Who to... Who wouldn't want to use Windows? I don't understand Well, the that's why it's hypothetical. Uh, uh, you know, we still need the user's identity, which is yep. going to be right. MSA or AAD, right? So there still yeah. needs to be some Microsoft connection there. Yep. But, you know, once we have the host role on these devices... Yeah. Okay, very cool. So... You know, I, I'm just thinking of this scenario too, especially like as, as I'm plugging into timeline. So, you know, I may be an app developer and I, I have an app on multiple platforms, but, um, you know, I may be looking at timeline and I use the app on, on my Android phone and there's equivalent one on, on, on Windows. Is there a way to like, you know, have, you know, get the app and then do that, continuing on with that deep linking session? So, so like starting on an iOS device and finishing. Well, not on a, not only that, starting on an iOS device, and then I don't have the app on oh Windows. Yeah. You know, is there a story for that yet? Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, that's really one of the things you <laughs> want to drive. And because you know, we can take you know, if you're using an application on iOS, and if it starts publishing into the activity graph, yep. you know, via the MS Graph, via the REST yep. APIs, those will show up in timeline. And we, uh, you know, we support across a cross-platform identity that you can specify. You know, this is my app's identity on iOS. This is the identity, uh, the, the you know the identifier for the app on Android. This is it on Windows. We can pick that up on Windows in timeline and say, oh, this is this is the app, and we can go and install it uh, for you. And we take the user, you know, through the app acquisition process, and they can just you know pick right up where they left off. So, and, ju and just to drive this example home, so let's just say you know the thing that I mentioned earlier with Groove. So if I have Groove on my iPhone, I'm listening to a playlist, and if I didn't have that on a PC, let's just say you know I, I bought a new PC. I could click it on timeline and it would download and then I could continue on with Exactly. My you would see a little card on timeline that says, you know, from your iPhone and you would tap on that and we'd, we'd get Groove installed and we would launch it for you. Yeah. That is just really awesome idea to think I mean, of that. It's plus super de powerful plus, for developers. Plus, right? as a developer, it, 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 exactly. it brings more attention to my apps and yeah. gives me better usage. So, that, that's as a developer, that's something that I I'm really excited about. And it's just not from Android 
or iOS 2 Windows. Yep, it's the other way around. So I could well. be anywhere. I could be in any of the stores, and it's making me across all of the platforms more successful. Exactly. And again, going back to where we started, our focus is on the user. We want to get keep the user engaged, keep the user productive wherever they go. And th in this case, the developer does get benefits, obviously. The, as a user, user I don't have to figure out where in the store. I don't have exactly. to open the store. I don't have to do a exactly. search. Exactly. See the wrong thing in search. Like, oh, that was the wrong one. Exactly. That's what really we think makes the idea so powerful. And, and then we pass that context, too. I mean, that's the other powerful piece. You're not just dumped into the front door of the store, right? Because we have that deep link. Um, the front door of the app story, because we have that deep link, you know, we take you back to where you were. Mm -hmm. Like in your example, you know, with Groove, you're back into the playlist that you were listening to, uh, you know, previously. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. So like Abulade showed in the keynote yesterday, yeah. he was on his Android phone entering an order. He came to the timeline. He clicked the timeline. He went directly into the order rather than the home page of the app. Yeah. And then the user has to navigate six levels deep into the order, which is. You know, not that a great user experience. It sounds like our listeners have a lot of homework now. <laughs> Come on. Get well, we think that we, we really designed this, and I, I know that was a joke, but yeah. we really hope and we want to hear the developers' feedback that this is very, very simple yeah. to use. Yeah, We've we done uh, these hack fests with a bunch of first party developers uh, like Groove and Maps and couple of you know big sort of uh, apps on, on on Windows and it took them about 30 to 45 minutes really to get the context do the code see it running yeah and that included explaining it to them so right. you, know, you guys we've already done that if you listen <laughs> yeah. to the podcast right. you're right. you're one step ahead yeah so how how quickly does some of this synchronization take so if i perform an action on on one device and I have the other device right there and pick it up. Will, you, will I see it immediately, or is it, you know? Yeah, you know, it's, it's immediate, as, you know, as immediate as, as we can get. You know, the infrastructure under the covers is based on uh, the Windows notification system. Mm -hmm. These are the push notifications that today will send you, you know, instant messages, uh, you know, from, you know, WhatsApp or Skype or whatever you're mm -hmm. using, right? Um, so very fast, very performant, works well, very efficient in terms of power um, for, you know, mobile devices and for, uh, uh, desktops as well. So, you know, very quick, I, you know, I showed in my demo, uh, in my session the other day, uh, creating, creating activities, and it's literally, you know, a couple seconds typically until it shows up uh, on the other device. Yeah. So one thing that I think would be useful for our listeners to hear, this has been around since anniversary, was the first update? That's right, yeah, with, with Cortana With Cortana, so right? if you go back to what is the word for RS1? It was anniversary. anniversary. Yeah, in the, in the anniversary update, uh, we had uh, Windows Phone notification mirroring. You guys remember that? Yep. You get a notification on your Windows Phone, you see it on your PC, mm -hmm. you now have it in Android. Right? If you have Cortana installed on Android, you see a notification on Android, you see it mirrored on your PC, you reply to it from your PC, it gets sent back to your Android or Windows Phone and sends a notification. All of that is actually built on Project Roam and the activity infrastructure. It's, it's not a coincidence that our Android SDK was released at the same time that Cortana started lighting <laughs> up that feature on Android, yeah, right? I mean, they're, awesome. we're working hand in hand. And the reason why we bring it up is we are clearly eating our own dog food, yeah. Yeah. right? So developers will get an, a platform that's really been vetted and beaten out <laughs> yeah. so that it's nice and oh, rock solid. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so how does somebody get started on this thing? HTTP aka.ms slash project roam. One word, it goes to our GitHub uh, page. 
uh you know we decided to go with github like yeah. that's where the developers go yep. and we have uh, links to our uh, windows sdk samples over there yeah. we have uh, links to our android and ios sdk we have links to microsoft graph we have links to our blogs and we are listening so please respond to us i ran into a developer here uh, earlier and he said you guys respond responded to us like every day like within two days we are very responsive mm-hmm. we're listening a, what's a really important point there too is like you know we 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 are trying to go to where the developers are so we have you know uwp client side apis apis obviously uh you know on windows that you can use you can use a lot of those apis as well from uh you know d- uh .net like forms applications and uh, uh and xaml application wpf applications we also have native android and ios sdks so you can use you know java on android objective c uh on ios uh, and then we have bindings as well in Xamarin. So if you want to use .NET Absolutely. on those those uh, platforms as well. And then finally, you know, we have the the MS Graph API, which is a REST endpoint. And, you know, that's you know, if you can hit the internet, you can use those APIs, right? Um, so really, you know, we're available everywhere that your code is. It's really, you know, really uh, 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 impressive. So is there anything else that you guys can tell us about what you might be thinking about or coming up with next in regards to this project? Uh. At least we, that you we, can tell us. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> say, a, that's say a tough it quietly one. if you don't want everybody. <laughs> that's a tough one. But I think <laughs> no, no I think one's listening to this. No right? one's listening to this. Us. Yeah, there's like just four of us, right? <laughs> uh, I think the, the the important thing is we are going to continue on this journey. So you know, Project Rome. Rome wasn't built in a day. Right? <laughs> uh, uh, the, the naming is just so good. It just yeah, keeps keeps working. So it's you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. We've been on this journey since the anniversary update. We've, we're providing more value and we'll keep providing more value. The developers can come back to us and talk to us on user voice. We are going to keep making these experiences better. For example, yesterday, we, re- we had released our Android SDK earlier this year. We provided Bluetooth support on Android yesterday. We're going to keep providing this in the future. We want to hear back from developers. And if things are not working or Rome is burning... <laughs> <laughs> I quit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let us know. We are, we are really listening. And, you know, we, want, we actually want to hear these amazing scenarios that people can build. Like, as plumbers, we build pipes. And we don't know what beautiful houses people are going to build. Let us know what you're going to build. And, you know, we, we really love to help you. And, you know, reprioritize our backlog to do something that you want us to do. Very cool. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the show and talking about Project Rome. Oh, thank, thank you. you. We are big fans. Thank you. So where can, uh, if people want, where can they find you online? HTTP aka.ms slash Project Rome. <laughs>